This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mother of four, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of the Crystal Pain Show. Last week, we talked about in the beginning, our girls going to prom. And one of the things we kind of mentioned a little bit was how their relationship has changed so much over the years and just watching them get ready for prom together and wanting to go together to prom with their dates and just how much they just enjoy one another and how they've become best friends and what a shift that is compared to where they were four or five years ago, kind of even a year ago. You know, I feel like it's just been this huge shift in the last year and a half, especially in the last six months. And we got a lot of questions in from people saying, how did your girls go from kind of being, I don't know, I hate to say, but like at each other's throats, like constantly irritated with one another, annoyed Mm -hmm. with one another, arguing constant tension. I mean, it was rare that there wasn't some sort of tension between them. How did they go from that to now really enjoying being together and wanting to be together and, you know, calling each other their best friends? (laughs) And so I actually asked for their input and we're going to share today the thought about having them on the podcast. And they were like, We'll just share some thoughts and let you guys talk about it. And so we'll we'll share some of their thoughts and then also from our perspective, some things um, in just hopes that it will encourage you if you have kids right now who are at odds with one another, who are struggling in their relationship, especially if they're younger. We just hope that these, what we share will just encourage you that there is hope and you never know what the future might hold. 
Before we get to that though, Jesse, I have a book update. I feel like I have not been doing very much reading you recently. You've a lot of writing. That's probably why. Yes. Like I talked about in the last episode of finishing my book. And I also have been doing more and more sleeping too, because I'm getting near to the end of this pregnancy, believe it or not. And I've hit very much the third trimester fatigue. And so I just haven't been, every time I'm like, I'm going to read. And then I sit down in my bed with the book and my eyes close and the reading doesn't happen. But I finished a book just this morning that I have been probably working through for the last at least four weeks, I think. It's called Gentle and Lowly. It's by Dane Ortland, and it's the heart of Christ for sinners and sufferers. And it's really just about the goodness of God. But what is so interesting to me is this is not what I expected it to be. It goes into all these Puritan writings. And I think I kind of always have this impression of the Puritans as like they're very, I think of like the Jonathan Edwards, sinners in the hands of an angry God, like just this this very... Iron Brimstone. Yes, sort of viewpoint of God. And for Dane Ortland to pull out from the Puritan authors all of these just beautiful pictures of God and his love for us and his goodness and his kindness and how his heart toward us as Christians is gentle and lowly. It was just, it was really refreshing to me. Um, Now, I will say that this book has kind of been hyped up to me by a lot of people. A lot of people have read my book, Love Center Parenting, and they're like, Crystal, you have to read Gentle and Lowly. You will just love it. It's the most amazing book. It changed my life. And I didn't quite feel like it was at the level of like, it's not going to be a five-star read for me. Um, But if you are someone who really struggles with believing that you're loved by God, if you struggle with um, feeling like you're disappointing God, if you struggle with feeling like you're not enough, if you're insecure in your faith, this would be a book that I would highly recommend to you. And as I was reading, I was thinking of different people in my life who've come to me just last week, a woman um, I know well came to me and said, I just feel like God is disappointed in me. And I was thinking this would be the perfect book for her to read. But I feel like a lot of it is stuff that I've worked through in my own heart in the last six or seven years. And a lot of it is kind of what I wrote about in Love Center Parenting, just understanding how much I'm loved by God and resting in that love and living out of that love. And so I feel like it really goes along with that and goes deeper into those concepts. Um, So again, that was Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes. What's saving our life this week? Well, this is something that is just a fun thing. You know, sometimes we have these, I don't know, life-changing things or something really practical. This is just fun. And that is Wordle. Jesse, how did we even get started on doing Wordle? I think the kids started doing it at school. I I feel like they started, yes, because then they were like, mom, you would like this game. And I was like, hey, I'm not really into games on my phone. I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not that kind of person, but like, no, mom, no, trust me, you would like this game. And so it's been at least a few months that we've been very consistently mm-hmm. doing it pretty much every day. And 
It's the simplest game. If you're not familiar with it, you've probably heard of it because it's kind of become this very popular thing, but it's just six. How would you describe it? I'm trying to think how to say it. Basically, you have six tries to come up with a five-letter word that they've chosen. And yes. so you're you're typing in letters. You've got... Words. Yes. You words. have to Sorry. do words because I've tried to do... Just it has to be a real letters word. that aren't real words. Even words that are a little archaic, they don't use. But they've also used words that there are I didn't few, think were words. Yes, there are a few that we did not know. But typically, it's it's a word that you know. But so it's basically just like a word puzzle, and you're trying to figure out what is the word. And so you type in one word, and it will turn green if the letter is in the right spot in the five boxes, mm-hmm. or it will turn a yellowish green, I guess, if it's a letter that is used in that word, but it's not in the right spot. And so basically you're just trying to use up letters to find which is the word. I'm not describing it very well, but it's, it's, it's a good description. It's yeah. free to play. It's, um, it's all you need to do is just search for Wordle online and it will pull it up. You don't even need the app or anything. Um, but what we've loved is it's kind of a family competition. And so we have a family group chat and every day we try to beat each other. And so it's just become this fun thing. I also think it's really great for you to do these kind of brain games uh-huh. and it kind of takes you, I don't know, it challenges you in a new way. Um, and it's just been something fun for us to learn some new words and it challenges um, you to think outside the box because the the words they use are a lot of times not words that we use in our everyday vernacular well and also you know you're like trying to see can i get it in three tries can mm-hmm. i you know can i beat i always try to beat your score because yeah, you usually do it before me in the day you know <laughs> it renews every morning at 12 a.m so i usually try to hit it at 1201 <laughs> crazy or when you leave early in the morning to but, take caitlin to ice skating you and, will do but what's then. bad is that i get up and think, oh i've already done it for the day <laughs> <laughs> they do have if you really love wordle they have they have wordle unlimited there's some other ones that you could do that are just unlimited options i've never done that before silas sometimes does that but anyway so that is just a fun thing that we've done as a family and i think it just it's good to have these just little things you do that kind of bring you together as a family and um, also little things you do that challenge your brain and it's free. It only takes a few minutes a day unless it's a really hard word and you're super stopped that it can take longer. But usually uh, it's just a fun little thing that we've done. So we'll link to it in the show notes and we'd love to hear from you. If this is something that your family does or you do with a group of people, um, how have how do you do Wordle in your life? We'd love to, we'd love to know and we'd love to hear. Today's episode is sponsored by CodeSpark Academy. CodeSpark is the number one learn to code app It teaches kids the ABCs of coding and basic computer programming skills, all without having to even know how to read. I have looked at this app and it is so cool. And I really wish that Silas was a little bit younger or our younger kids were a little bit older so they could take advantage of it because it is a very highly rated educational app and has hundreds of activities and games. And it's teaching kids the fundamentals of computer science and introducing them to the world of STEM. 
and they get to learn how to code. And it teaches the basic problem solving, logical thinking skills, it encourages creativity, it instills persistence and resilience, and it really boosts their confidence. And I think the skills that it's teaching are things that kids are likely going to need in this new world of technology. And plus, the games are so fun to play, they don't even know that they're learning this stuff. So if you want to try out CodeSpark, here's the cool thing. They are offering a completely free month to all of my listeners. You're going to get unlimited coding challenges, new skills every week, hundreds of educational puzzles, unlimited access to their entire creativity suite. CodeSpark Academy is designed for kids ages five to nine years of age. It's great for boys and girls, and they really design the app to increase engagement and to get girls who sometimes aren't as interested in coding really interested in it as well. To get your free 30-day trial, all you need to do is go to CodeSpark.com and use my coupon code MSM30 at checkout. That's going to give you a completely free 30-day trial. So go to CodeSpark.com, use coupon code MSM30, and enjoy your free 30-day trial. Thank you so much to CodeSpark Academy for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so how did Catherine and Caitlin become best friends? Well, as I said, I asked for their input and their insights into this. And Catherine, especially, she, I feel like she's one of those people who she can kind of take the big picture stuff and she can kind of deduce it down to this is the why behind the what. And so she gave me three points that she felt like these were really instrumental in helping them. And so I want to share those first and then um, also just share some of our thoughts. And I know, Jesse, you'll have a lot to share as well. The first one that was really big was don't try to force it. I know as parents, we want our kids to get along. And sometimes that's, if we're being honest, out of our own selfishness, because we don't want to have to deal with they're arguing and we just like <laughs> life to be calmer. Um, sometimes it's also out of our own pride because mm-hmm. we, you know, want to look good to others, like our reputation. We care about what others think. Like, are we a good parent? If our kids are getting along, it looks like we're doing a good job of parenting. Or, you know, I would say a lot of our parenting struggles are fear, pride, and selfishness. And so fear it can be, you know, we're kind of playing this out thinking, well, if you can't get along with your siblings, you're never going to be able to get along with people in the real world and you're going to really struggle. And so we're kind of parenting from that place of fear for their future instead of just walking with them. And so I think that we can, as parents, try to force our kids into these boxes. And one of those is like, you need to be good friends with your siblings. You need to get along with your siblings. And I think that, yes, we should always, always encourage kindness and respect, but kind of putting the expectation on our child of you are supposed to be best friends with your sibling, that's a heavy weight for them to bear. And for some kids, I know, especially one of our children 
that um, that's going to make them not want to do it because they're going to be like, oh, you're telling me to do that? I'm going to do the opposite. (laughs) And so, you know, just not expecting or demanding or constantly reiterating that they are, quote, supposed to be best friends. This will likely make them not want to consider it because it feels like something being put upon them. Mm -hmm. So don't try to force it. Secondly, and I feel like this was one of the biggest keys for their relationship specifically, learning emotional language. This was something, Jesse, that you and I did not have a good handle on, Mm -hmm. something that we did not go into parenting really understanding um, ourselves. And so it wasn't something that we knew how to teach to our kids. We didn't know how to teach them that to express their feelings with actual emotions because it wasn't something that we knew how to do. Mm -hmm. For instance, you know, I might feel really irritated or upset, but I wouldn't be able to say right now, I'm feeling frustrated because of X, Y, and Z. I would just kind of lash out of my irritation. And so you and I had to really learn this and we had to learn to understand emotional language and then to be able to express it and model that for our kids. And therapy was really for us one of the most helpful things. And the therapist that we were working with a number of years ago um, with one of our kids every time, every single therapy session, every single week, um, this child would go in and the therapist would have some sort of game that they would do that they would have to express. I felt happy this week when this then when this happened. I felt embarrassed this week when this happened. I felt angry this week when this happened. I felt, and they had to through this game, express their different types of feelings that they'd felt that week. And so it was just teaching them to recognize what they were feeling and then to be able to verbalize that. And so often, if we don't do that, if we just kind of stuff down those feelings, if we don't recognize what we're feeling, we're feeling sad, we're feeling insecure, we're feeling shy, we're feeling embarrassed, we're feeling frustrated, we're feeling happy, we're feeling angry, you know, all those different feelings. If we don't know how to express it, we're going to stuff it down and then it's usually going to bubble up and come out sideways as anger. And so much anger is really just other big feelings coming out sideways, coming out sideways. And so teaching our kids to be able to express emotional language made massive shifts in their relationship. And I think, especially for Catherine and Caitlin, because they were just constantly arguing and at odds with one another. When they started to learn to be able to say, when you did that, it made me feel like this. It just kind of like blew open the barriers of their relationship because the other one was able to be like, oh, like when I said that or did that, that made them feel embarrassed or that made them feel unseen or that made them feel like they weren't valued, um, you know, or even when it wasn't intended. 
No, it wouldn't be at all. And so they were able to start recognizing these patterns and recognizing how certain things could be a trigger and recognizing how they could shift their approach in order to help the other feel more valued or feel more seen or feel more heard. I know that that was a big one, like not feeling heard and that there was just so much talking over one another. And so that was a huge thing for them. And so teaching emotional language, I cannot stress enough the importance of this. This is something that we're trying to do with Kirsten. And she just turned two. And, you know, just we have a feelings chart on our fridge that has different just emojis, just emoji faces. And I guess they're all emojis, their faces, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Um, and so just we started with sad and happy and teaching her to like make a sad face and make a happy face. And then talking about that in context of things we would be sad about, things we would be happy about. And then we've added in things like shy and scared and teaching her that. And so just a few weeks ago, you were at swimming lessons with her and you want to tell about what happened there. I think this is when uh, we were getting ready to go into her lessons and all of a sudden she just grabbed onto my neck. I said, so are you excited or are you scared? And usually she would say she was excited. This time mm-hmm. she said she was scared and she was very apprehensive of going into uh, the swimming lesson. So we just stopped and we prayed for her and uh, she had a great swimming lesson. And I think that that was really because of us working with her and helping her understand what it meant to be scared. And I think, you know, usually she would just say excited because she didn't know, like she knows what excited means. Mm -hmm. She didn't know what scared meant. And so now that we've taught her that for her to be able to vocalize that to you allowed you to be able to really kind of meet her where she was at. And then when she was done, we were able to really celebrate Mm -hmm. her success. So she faced her fear. She was scared and she did it anyway. And you came home and we were able to just really celebrate her for that. And, and it was just, it was as parents, just so encouraging to think like for her to learn these things at a young age, for her to learn Mm -hmm. to be able to verbalize emotional language and what she's feeling at a young age. I just, I'm, I'm excited for her to have that and have those tools because I think that it's going to be so much more beneficial than our older kids who, sorry to the three of you, we didn't do a good job of that because we didn't know any better at that point. And the other thing I was thinking about too, is not only with the children, is it very, um, very good to know, but in, in our marriage, it's good to mm. good to use. And honestly, that was one aspect of maybe encouraging your kids to be friends is to see that modeled in your marriage. Do, mm-hmm. do your kids see um, you guys as being best friends? Mm. Yeah. If they do, they're going to have that safety to pursue that within the family as well. If they don't, they're not going to and, and unless they're drawn together by the trauma of <laughs> that comes from you guys not being best friends. Mm. Yeah, I think a lot of times it's easy for us to expect things from our kids that we actually aren't modeling ourselves. And the third thing that Catherine talked about was giving it time. She talked about how time has 
really helped her to have a different perspective. And as you know, they're both in high school. And so um, they've walked through a number of different kind of dramatic friendship, social situations. Um, Sadly, I feel like it's just part of growing up um, being Mm -hmm. a teenager. You're going to face some things where there's drama in friendships. Um, There are friendships that don't end up making it. Um, There are hard struggles with friendship. And she said, walking through that and realizing that the bond that she and Caitlin have is something that's different than she has with anyone else. Mm -hmm. She's like their shared experiences, their shared just family um, and things that they have inside jokes for things that, you know, if she looks at her and says something, you know, Caitlin gets it immediately. Whereas if she were to do that to someone else, they wouldn't get it. And then just recognizing that they actually do have each other's backs. And, um, and so giving it time for that to kind of marinate mm-hmm. and come to the surface. And I think another thing is that we've walked through some kind of hard things as a family with foster care and, um, you know, saying goodbye to a sweet little boy that we all loved so much and walking through that as a family, that's not something that anyone else outside of our family would really be able to understand at the level that we all do. And so coming closer together through that, I feel like difficult circumstances and hard seasons can really draw you together. And so those were three things from Catherine that was don't try to force it, teach emotional language and give it time. A few thoughts, other thoughts that I had is loving your kids right where they're at instead of getting frustrated them for not being where you want them to be or think they should be. You know, we talked at the beginning, it's it's easy for us to put these expectations on our kids and then to express our frustration with them or our disappointment with them. And I think being really careful with how we express, you know, if, if we have a concern that we need to address, like they're not being kind, um, they're being hurtful with their words or actions towards one another, it needs to be addressed, but not addressing it in a way that's shaming, not addressing it in a way that is, you know, talking about how disappointed you are with them, but instead addressing it in a way that you're really walking alongside them and you're loving them right where they're at and you're recognizing that probably they've got some big feelings that are coming out sideways and helping them really unpack those and dig into what they're feeling. I think also talking positively to them, about them to each other and about them to others. Our kids pick up on our language, our demeanor, our body language, and just overall how we feel about them by what we say about them. And so making sure that we're not going to another child and talking negatively or they're, you know, we're going to our friends and talking really negatively about them or to them that we're talking negatively to them because I think that's only going to further build a wedge between us and them, but then also discourage them and also kind of make them feel isolated from the family, from us. And that will just stir up tension in our home. Mm -hmm. 
fostering a sense of family togetherness also, you know, Catherine talking about the shared experiences that they have. And I can think of so many times when we went on a trip or we did some family activity where the two of them were at odds with one another and having bad attitudes. And I remember thinking, why are we even bothering to do this? Because this is not really enjoyable with these attitudes. And yet I look back and I'm so grateful that we went ahead and did those things because I feel like ultimately it did help to foster a sense of family togetherness. And I think prioritizing family time, making memories, doing fun things together, it's so important to build that foundation of relationship, just doing things together, being together. It's really, really important. And then finally, praying daily for them to feel loved and for them to feel God's love through you. This is something, you know, just praying for our kids every day when I'm on the treadmill, just pray for each family member. And and specifically, oftentimes my prayer is, God, help them to feel so loved by you and so loved by me. And, you know, just praying for that and praying for God's love to flow through you to them so that they feel that sense of security in the home. I feel like that is something that really gives them the strong foundation for building relationships. Now, I do want to say that, you know, we've shared all these things. This is not the prescription for making your kids be best friends. Like you can't do that. But I think we can foster a sense of foundation for our kids to have that launching pad from with to have more success in their relationship. But, you know, only God knows what the future holds for them. And so I just, you know, if you have adult children um, who maybe don't get along, I just don't want to discourage you or make you feel like you failed. We've made a lot of mistakes, like we talked about some in this podcast, and we're all, you know, just seeking the Lord and wanting to do the best that we can. And um, well, well, here, let me interject here. It's not your responsibility to make your kids friends. Yeah. And I think that that's a, that's a big thing. We can lay the foundation. Mm-hmm. We can give the encouragement. We can give them tools. We can model for them. But ultimately, their choices, their actions, that's on them. Right. We're not our child's savior or Holy Spirit. And so give them that foundation. But then... In a sense, we let go and we trust God with the results. And I don't know, you know, there's six kids. I have no idea what that's going to look like in six years and, right. you know, 25 years from now. But they may be best friends now and out their throats later. Who I knows? know. Who knows? Six months from now, we might come back and be like, uh, never mind about so, that podcast. That podcast, yeah. <laughs> but I hope that this is encouraging. And if you have, um, follow-up thoughts or questions. We love hearing from you. You can send an email to crystal at moneysavingmom.com. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com. 